0: Hey everyone, Jason Torchinski here. And first, thanks for listening. Second, thanks to our new sponsor, Marble. Marble? We got got a rock to sponsor our podcast? (laughs) No, David. Marble with a capital M. It's the only all-in-one app for managing your insurance policies and getting rewarded for it. Okay,
1: all right. Well, I have a bunch of cars that I think they're all probably insured.
0: So this could Mm, help. Probably not. But Marble's great. It's fast, and it's easy to set up, as it'll put all of your different insurance policies in one place for you. It's free, which we love around here, being cheapskates, and it will automatically alert you if your rates are going to increase, probably with some kind of really loud sound. Once you set it up, you don't have to do anything, as it does it for you, like a robot trained to monitor insurance. And you get marbles, which you can redeem for rewards or use to donate to charity. A marble spewing robot. Whew, that sounds great. How many marbles did you get from it? I got, let's see, can be the two, 900 marbles. Uh, what do you do with that many marbles? I just put them all on a Target gift card. Okay, what'd you do at Target? What'd you get? I got a big uh, crap load of Hot Wheels.
1: I assume for uh, your child? Yeah, yeah, sure, for
0: my child. Mm, okay. Well, anyway, um, okay, that sounds good. I like Hot Wheels. Uh, where do I sign up? So you just go to joinmarble.co/autopian and you start adding your policies. And not only will you be supporting this podcast, you will also get rewarded just for being a real adult and keeping on top of your insurance. Joinmarble.co/autopian is that right? Yes, David. That's joinmarble.co/autopian.
2: I don't think I really appreciated it growing up just the workmanship and the artist uh, creativity but now I, I really am amazed by it all cuz you know there's so much low riding culture here in southern california yeah. uh, that we've been you know blessed to grow up with I don't know if it's fully appreciated in the rest of the I don't country think certainly not in the, the world yeah
0: They're like cathedrals more than cars in some way
1: Hey, welcome everyone to the utopian podcast this is what number 20 we're in the 20s we're around two dozen 23 oh 23 good dr pepper 23 flavors that's where
0: we're at wait what um, is the wait 23 flavors doctor is that from like 1942 what
2: the hell is that everybody knows that
0: right it doesn't matter
1: um moving on Uh
2: wait there's 23 flavors in a dr pepper how oh. do you know what How do you not know that? That's like
0: I know some archaic Dr. Pepper ad stuff. They used to say like seven and four and eleven. They had weird times you were supposed to drink it. But this this is new. Look. And what is
2: that flavor that makes Dr. Pepper? What is? it? I heard it was prune. Prune juice. That is it. Yes. I did hear that. There's no way that's right. Flavor is prune juice. I swear to God, I just found this out. You confirmed Uh, it because my family loves Dr. Pepper. They they're very regular. And they are very regular. Uh, now they are, you know, since they started really uh, doing the du- pepper. Uh, but yeah, prune juice, how crazy. That could be true, right? Because that's what I had heard somewhere. So, okay, Mountain so Dew, which I said, my favorite is orange juice. That's its secret ingredient. You know, it, if
1: you mix, you ever go to the soda fountain and just go from one to the other? and just Okay, wait, them have,
0: before you go on, what did you call that, David? What did I call what? When you went to the soda fountain and you filled up with each each spigot and you know in each and you've mixed them together, we had a very specific name for that growing up. I'm, I'm wondering oh, if you had the same name. I don't. I can't I know think it, it, if it. it's
2: booze what it's called. I don't know if it's the same <laughs> if it's non-alcoholic. I, well, this
0: I, we only used it for the soda fountain mixing up thing. Oh, okay. Do you remember Bo? Because since we're contemporaries, maybe you called it something similar. I yeah, probably, but I don't remember. We called it. A suicide. (laughs) Oh, suicide. That's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Did did you not call it that, David? No. But you know what it tasted like? It tasted like Dr. Pepper. It always ended up like Dr. Pepper. Otto will do that every single time there's a soda machine. It's not dead. Kids still love it. He usually calls it a mixed-up
2: drink. Instead, I'm trying to get him. Call it a suicide. It's way well, Suicide's tough. cool. I was thinking Juggle juice if it's booze. By the way, our producer <laughs> is telling us that prude juice is not in the ingredients of Dr. Pepper. But I think that's the secret ingredient. That's, yeah, that's, that's why that's... it's not officially on the label. Exactly. Unless You're right, somebody could prove or disprove.
0: This but feels like they're is hiding called it. BS on us, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> How could we both have heard of that? And it not be true. That's two
1: people. So, so, so it turns out, so I mentioned 23 flavors. Yes. Apparently, Dr. Pepper is a blend of 23 flavors that include, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but cola, cherry, licorice, blackberry, just a bunch of stuff, which is why when you do this suicide thing, it always will taste like Dr. Pepper when you mix Mm. them all up.
0: It's like 23, 23 23 kinds of prunes are in Dr. Pepper is what you're saying.
1: Actually, I like the prune. I like the prune story better. So we're going to stick with that.
2: Anyway, it, an urban myth. We, please let us know. Please <laughs> yeah. in the comments. Yeah. If, you if you know, let, let us, us know. know. This is anyone a- that worked for Dr. Pepper. We need to speak with you. This yeah. is important information. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. The, you know, as far as uh, automobile podcasts go, I know th- this is what you all really want to talk about. <laughs>
2: okay, maybe we should talk about cars for a minute. And okay, hey, uh, uh, David, you look like you're in a familiar place. Don't I? Don't I, Don't I look like? Just better, right? I'm glowing. I'm just happier.
1: Everything's just a little yeah. bit better. Where are you, sir? City of Angels. I'm in Los
2: Angeles. It's a City great place.
0: It is a great place.
1: Actually,
2: we were all just there. there. Magical. Uh, Magical. We, we were we were together for the Los Angeles International Motor Show or whatever it's called. Yeah. And we had our Atop Atopia display, which was beyond super cool, but I just want to point out it was awesome. It was amazing. And you know what,
0: uh, the thing I I didn't mention, we did a live. Uh, podcast there, which was great. We had the wheelbarrow of shrimp, if you guys yeah, heard fantastic. last week. But I think I forgot to mention. We remember we we met uh, a reader who I just want to call out because I'm so delighted this person exists. She's a retired doctor who's not even necessarily into cars and somehow knows everything about what was going on clearly reads the site every day and it just made me so happy to see she's very
2: proud that she's not into cars and made that very clear which i even loved more because exactly about the stories and the writing and creating you know interest in what we do which i thought was fantastic but she's been a fan of the two of you guys since uh since way back so it makes sense to me i get it 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 just makes me happy that i I
0: believe her name was uh, eileen so eileen if you're listening uh thanks for reading we really
2: appreciate it we love
0: you
1: You have to wonder. It, uh, and, and so, actually, quite a few... Uh, multiple doctors actually came up to us uh, during the auto show. Yeah, we One did from, have multiple
2: doctors. Yes, the doctors. Yeah. They, they One co- from Columbia. uh We attract Columbia? doctors. I
1: think, I think it was Columbia. I think it was Columbia also. Yeah. Uh, the but, the, uh, the Renault 4 owner. Oh, yes. I yeah. Anyway, um, I wonder, as a doctor... Like, we're obviously, Torch, you and I were professional dipshits, right? Career, uh, but too. as a doctor, I wonder if that registered like the amplitude of our dipshittery is off the charts at that point if you're if you're a doctor I don't know how
0: they <laughs> that must be tough for them well I mean I think having a medical background probably helps them deal with it a little better that's true <laughs> yeah they've seen they've seen some some shit.
2: and hey our, our 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 friend that is so into uh, the uh, JDM and all the Japanese vehicles he's a doctor makes you taller for gosh sakes that's like cutting- edge oh, science right that's right oh, yeah, right that's <laughs> that's yeah right. So yeah, no, we've um, got uh, we've
0: got an impressive readership. Our readers are extremely well-educated can make you taller. It's a, yeah, it's fascinating. So I'll be readers.
2: That's Mark Brinker, research. by
0: the way, we we interviewed him before. So
1: if you want yes.
2: to and hear about guy. And, leg and
1: extensions, if
2: you want to <laughs> yeah. get taller, call Dr. Brinker. Yeah, perfect. That, that still freaks me out though. Oh, can you, <laughs> oh, that just sounds so painful. Anyway, back to cars. <laughs> I love. Yeah. The auto show
1: just <laughs> ended yesterday did you, uh, did
2: you get to meet some more readers while you guys were i did oh both?
1: i actually i think i have a picture somewhere a reader's dropped by with a bunch of books um mm-hmm. he brought me uh ooh, oh you're gonna get me, be mad that i don't know the name of this one um the ultimate forward history book um shoot. oh cool anyway um I, I whatever it's called uh and then um a uh, an LA Times article about um, the Patent Motorwagen and oh. uh, just a bunch of stuff that he printed out. Some of it he printed out. The, the, the LA Times article was from 06. He had that sitting around somewhere. Wow. And uh, and then he printed some other articles out and highlighted it. And he was like, oh, you might find this interesting. Name is David. Um, great guy. Just, no, it was great. Our readers are just car geeks and it's just awesome. It's
2: wonderful. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, did you get a chance to wrench on your car at all? No, the,
1: I have to say, I wanted a, a close look at the Nash made it clear to me that this was going to take about three weeks to do it. And I didn't want to have a half uh, disassembled car on the auto show floor because it'd be difficult <laughs> to transport.
2: That was good thinking.
1: Um, yeah, for once, man.
2: Thinking ahead. I like that. I know, but I didn't want to be. He did, an,
0: he did a nice unboxing video of all the crap that was packed into that thing, which I Ooh, thought was fun. cool. Yeah, because there was a lot of stuff in that car. Like it was almost solid of just stuff, just Nash. You know, so the the guy, the gentleman who, 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 Nate,
1: who who gave me that Nash, he, I Googled his name. I actually just went on a bunch of Nash Metropolitan forums and I found him on pretty much all of them. And on pretty much every article written about Nash Metropolitans, on bring a trailer listings. He's always in the comments, telling people about Nash history, about like, how to make him drive better. And this is over the span of decades. Like he's commented wow. on Nash. Like I, I found one from 05 and then one from 20, that's 17 years of him. Just basically praising this little car that he loves. Um, And then my particular Nash is one that he, you know, it was his baby. Like that was his, his Nash, like the, this, the Aww. ultimate Nash metropolitan fans, personal car. Um, That's cool. And, it's a big deal. It is a big deal and i and I think I think um taking ownership of that car was different than taking ownership of any other car because I kind of saw myself and a lot of other people I've met over the years in Nate you know, like I think about my first Cherokee that I bought when I was like seventeen, and uh how how just how how much you can really devote yourself to a car like. Um, I, you know, joining Jeep clubs and like learning how to off-road, learning how to fix certain cars, like it—it's a lifestyle. It's like a whole way of life. And so, yeah. like this gentleman, Nate, like he devoted a big part of his life to this car. And so, in some ways, I feel like
0: I this is you know, more of a custodial than an ownership role. In some ways, yes, you're I now agree. the custodian of this very important Nash, and I think that's a healthy way to look at it. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know. When he was looking to get rid of this car, um, it was not about like let's maximize profit or whatever this is worth or what you know. It's
2: well, try to hard to maximize profit on free, you know. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly, exactly.
2: Yeah, his Bo's focus- the businessman.
0: That's why. That's why Bo's so useful around here. Right. He's, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: He can figure He's out that complicated math. math
0: stuff. <laughs> yeah. So good.
1: Yeah, his focus was on finding someone who would appreciate his the car that he loves so much, which is um which is cool and I kind of get that as as I'm like trying to move out here out west it's like I ah, do I sell my first jeep And who do I sell it to? And I don't really care what I make out of it, but I want someone to appreciate it. You want a
2: custodian of it more than a buyer of it, which I I can appreciate. If it's your first one, I actually voted to keep that. I took your survey on the website, by the way. (laughs) And like most people, I said sell most of, actually people said sell everything except for the Mustang, which I think if something's really close to your heart that, uh, you know, it's okay to to keep it. By the way, is your friend uh, that, that gave you the Nash, is he an expert on Metropolitan? or on Nash or both, or do you know? Uh, especially Metropolitans, yeah. But Nash is, because, you know, Nash was the first car my dad sold. So that was his first job uh, oh, right. out of college was selling Nash. And once uh, once that business got shut off, which is when supply uh, uh, caught up with demand for Ford and Chevy and they started discounting cars, uh, that's where, uh, where my dad moved to Ford because uh, Nash was basically just done with at that point once the big three started discounting it was over for nash they were pioneers
0: though like first unibodies in real mass production nash did like they were they were doing a lot of interesting stuff and their
2: engineering was solid for a long time but they couldn't keep up oh Um, do you have a nash or do you want a nash uh are you offering uh i do not have a nash Uh, well
1: i i think you'd want i don't you wouldn't want the metropolitan i think you'd want like an american the big one Yeah, yeah yeah Oh, if disasters. there was a,
2: you know, my dad worked at Nash Glendale. So if there was ever one that came out of Nash Glendale, I mean, my dad that would did, be cool, touched, yeah. like a 1952 Nash that came from wow. Nash Glendale. That would be when my dad worked there. And then I found out that on his own time, after he quit, he went by and, and he would help them on the weekends because he felt sorry for them and didn't, <laughs> and didn't take any pay. I'm like, yeah, that's, a, and then Galpin found out. They're like, Bert, that's nice of you, but you can't do that. <laughs> he's like i'm not taking any pay for it i'm just trying to help him out i feel bad for him you so know, was right? your dad
0: doing volunteer car
2: sales no yeah basically well he'd go over there and kind of help them with their cars and you know mentor him a little bit just kind of oversee some things because they were so lost i guess when he left uh but uh yeah that was my dad though he was always trying to help out god bless him I mean, it, says, it says good things about your dad but
1: that is hilarious Pro bono car sale that is yeah. that is something i gotta say Hey, Torch, you know who else showed up to our our booth uh, the other day was um, the gentleman. uh, Okay, you actually drove one of his cars. Uh, He electrifies Beatles.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. The Z-Electric fellow. What's his name? Uh, I feel terrible. Wait, what's his name? Uh, Mark? I'm trying to remember. But yes, extremely nice guy. Um, And he was convincing me that. The Nash
1: should be the EV candidate, and we just talked about the whole custodial thing. That's you know, but he, he he's very pro. If I'm going to do an EV swap, the Nash being the smaller one, he likes the idea. But you know, I mean, he, very smart guy, and uh,
0: um, oh yeah, that guy knows his yeah, stuff. Awesome. And he may, and they make uh, like they've been doing really nice conversions on Beatles forever. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's really good. Uh, that's, that's great. LA, can...
2: We got to check this guy out. That's yeah, no, cool. we've
0: met him before. I'm um, David, David, David's his name, David Berendo. Yeah. Yeah. He's great guy. Um, Sorry. That was a tough one for me. <laughs> Bernardo, David Bernardo, uh, David Bernardo. He's a great guy there. The beetle conversions that he's been doing are great because they keep the original transmission. So you can, you can still shift an EV, which is inherently How does that kind work? of it's literally, they, they make it so they're reversible, which is unusual for these trains. So basically, they just drop the VW engine out the bottom, and they have an adapter that goes right to the v- Beetle's transaxle. So it's basically just a cylindrical electric motor on the back of that transaxle, completely replacing where the engine was. And then they put batteries in the trunk and in the rear luggage well. And it's huh. a very clean conversion. And they, you know, they restore everything, but it's... um. They're cool. That guy's cool. We have We should have him on the the podcast one day.
2: Yeah, that'd be great. I'm really curious uh, how he's doing it, what he's doing, and you know the the the, the problem with a lot of these conversions is they're like three or four hundred grand, and uh, yeah. you, you know just you look at a, I don't know, it's, it looks from the outside like a normal car, but it's you know, ten times as much uh, on some occasions. Oh, well, you, so <laughs> mean like
1: a, an already converted like high, high dollar car. Yeah, yeah, they're very expensive.
2: Uh, very much so. Where's uh, where's this guy on that? Does do you know what he what he what does he charge for all that? They're not but, cheap, but they're not crazy
1: expensive either. Uh, but they're not, you know, so expensive. you know what? He actually told me, um, a little tip. He said, Check out eBay because some people lately have been buying um f- battery packs and like uh, like sort of EV conversion kits and just getting overwhelmed because this is EV converting yeah. a car is not a rent, it's not like you do an engine swap on a car and that's mostly. Wrenching, but an EV conversion is engineering. It's a different. It's a different ball game. Yeah.
0: Well,
2: Well, and it's uh, a high interest for people. A lot of people want to do it, but you know, it gets obviously very cost prohibitive. But I'd like to learn, you know, more about uh, uh, those types of things as well. So we should uh, we should have him on something like that. Yeah. All right, we'll get him on. He's a good guy. All right, fun. Um, what's next, David? Um,
1: Jason might have let. Well, I will say that the microcars, humongous hit among youngsters, right? Like the kids, more so than the, the
2: youngsters. Well,
1: I'm an old, I got to stop saying that it makes me seem real old. <laughs> hey, hey, these they, you're, you're
2: the youngster. Just, just so you know, here.
3: I was letting the,
0: kids come up and see those things. They David, you're right. They absolutely love it because they're
2: approachable. They make sense, they're and they're fun. about that size for kids. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, they are a huge hit. Actually, everybody loves micro cars. That's something I've right. noticed. It doesn't matter how cool you think you are, what age you are. I think micro cars are amazing. They're just they're 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 charming. If for some if someone doesn't like it,
0: I would take that as a major character problem. It's like when a someone doesn't like dogs, you, you know? Yeah. If a toddler hands you a pretend phone and you don't say hello then something's <laughs> wrong with you. Exactly. And it's the same thing with a microcar. <laughs> oh <my. laughs> if you don't smile a little bit with a microcar, something's wrong with you. So I, I, I agree. Yeah, this is a, I, I'm sure there's people who don't respect them or don't whatever, but you can't not like them. Come on.
2: And, and I love your name for a group of microcars. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, which grin. is a grin. A grin of a, microcars. A, a grin of microcars, which yeah. uh, sure. now is our in our vocabulary and let's call webster i'm sure uh, you know sneak it in the old book there yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, a coin a term we can do it that would be that'd be a cool score for us utopian that yeah, would be let's try to do it i wonder what the process is I think
0: we just got to get it we all we have to do is use it and print a bunch of times and then and we have an outlet for print so
1: yes we're, uh, we're sort of, of print right yeah it's
2: yeah, print enough
0: yeah perfect okay
1: torch okay yes best car at the auto show this is an impossible question to just know the best it's, section.
0: And I'm going to, oh, should I exclude ones we brought? So I'm not, yeah, I should exclude ones we brought. Cause well, we obviously, had, um, best car at the auto show. I know my favorite. There were for, okay, from a major manufacturer. The envision 74 from Hyundai is a fantastic concept car. That thing was really great. I it think. is that
2: that gets um, coolest concept. I agree. Yeah. That's like
0: a fantastic concept. Uh, best thing just brought there. Uh, there was so like a was Detroit s- electric down, uh, in like between the things that I kind of liked seeing. Anyway, that was like, cool. Remember? Course, that? Yeah. What about the, the little, t- the little cart? Oh the, the the yeah. The Detroit.
1: Yeah. That was really the early 20th century, uh, Detroit, yeah, electric.
0: Cool. which was very cool. Were you, were you talking about
1: Taylor Dunn's David? <laughs> yeah. Jason really wanted to give the Autopians, uh, uh, uh yeah, like I did. best in show to a Taylor yeah. Dunn, which by the way, that is what, um, uh, people who I guess work at the facility would drive around in this little
0: cart basically. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what you're like talking there's, about. There's a whole <laughs> shadow industry of cars that are mostly driven indoors. Little trucks <laughs> like Taylor Dunn. I think we need to we need to do something with them. I'd love I to agree. Go, like what is a press drive what? like for a Taylor Dunn? Yes. Like a big <laughs> conference center and a warehouse. Like, we need to dig into that more. I would love to get a Taylor Dunn person to talk to us or to work with us. Can I get a press Taylor Dunn? Is is there a
2: Taylor Dunn? It'd be, it'd be fun to interview (laughs) him. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, can we get Taylor himself? Maybe I uh, bet there's
0: a Taylor and a Dunn. And I bet, yeah, you know, and they they have a distinctive front end, the Taylor Dunns. They have like a a rectangular face with two lights. And then these very yellow, almost indicator things. And like, they have a look like somebody gives a damn about what a Taylor Dunn looks like. And I, I respect them. Wow. Okay. I'm going to pull up a Taylor Dunn for those of you who are going to Look yeah,
1: at this on, uh, on the YouTubes. Look at this blue. Yeah. Oh, blue. yeah. See,
0: see the face I'm talking about? Yeah, it's it almost like so a Lego good. car face. Oh,
1: <laughs> it is Legos. Right?
2: That it feels cool. like that.
0: But it, like you can see if you scroll down, David, it's like that face gets stuck on a lot of them. They have some Cyclops ones. but Oh, I like this one with the round No, the, I like the other. Yeah, mix it up a little bit.
2: Wow. I, mean, I just they're... love the boxiness of it. It's a pure square, rectangle. Pure workhorse. It? And yeah. it's designed to do work. And they're j- But I bet... I bet they're kind of
0: fun. I bet somebody's raced some of these at some point. I wonder if anybody has like, like, do you think anybody has ever bought an old Taylor Dunn and restored it for like sentimental reasons? (laughs) (laughs) Look at this. Okay. I would encourage anyone who's listening to this
1: podcast. Oh yeah. Listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not driving, um, Tailored on Bigfoot. It is the it is an incredibly cute machine, and um... it
2: is. <laughs> What's amazing? A range up to sixty miles. That's uh that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, lithium uh, ion. I know that a lot of uh, EVs today.
0: Look! Look what it'll it load. Capacity is three thousand pounds, and it'll tow seventy five hundred pounds. Whoa.
2: These aren't playing around. And carry
0: four people doing it. Jeez,
2: that that's, is yeah, legitimately crap. seventy.
1: That
0: is the tow capacity of like a Dodge Durango or. a yeah, like seriously, you could slowly, but you could move a, a, like a camper with it. One of these Taylor Duns. also you can get it in different colors, which is great. Oh. Yeah, look at that. I like the yellow, and you got a
2: nice Taylor's like, green. green. Yeah, but Taylor I, I, must have look. been British or something. I really oh, oh, look oh, at this wow. one with the oh. tool drawers. Ooh, oh, is that is sexy. Oh, <laughs> is MX great. 600. That's oh, cool as shit. Goodness. Yeah. I, I you know what? This the this joke has turned into something where I'm like, "Hey, that actually is cool." Uh, is hey. it, no, it is cool. The to, the <laughs> toolbox one is genuinely cool. Look at that thing. You, you know what I like think is hilarious? Oh.
1: What's hilarious is is, is <laughs> th- these are actually styled. Like, I think th- as soon th- as I scroll down, as soon as I scroll down, Jason said that's a sporty one, and it is. Yeah, it goes it is. fifteen.
0: <laughs> it's faster. The, look, at yeah, it. look at yeah, look at the R380. It's definitely. It's got a sportier look to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh these are amazing yeah okay oh. so we got to figure out how to get up with taylor dunn because i feel like there's got to be some some
2: some opportunities here yeah we got to party with those guys in exactly. the show no
0: question the taylor dunn it wasn't even in the show really
1: it was, no, mostly it was just uh, making was the, show the show happen. The show? it That's made exactly. the
0: show happen you i bet you could not have done that show without that fleet of taylor dunns working hard behind the scenes the,
2: the unappreciated true. workhorse of the exactly show. Yeah, so
0: Taylor Dunn, if you're listening, uh, we'd like to appreciate you. So, oh, reach out,
1: please. Yeah, Torch, I do think uh, actually, Bo's headline there was perfect. That's a perfect headline.
0: The unappreciated workhorse at the LA Auto Show. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. But yeah, that's that's a dead-on headline, Bo. That's good. Ooh, Um, came up. You know, you know, was um, almost
1: completely ignored. Uh, uh, and we haven't written about it yet, but we're going to. uh, The lowriders in the basement. Oh yeah, so
2: great. Amazing! That was an amazing. If you go to the LA Auto
1: Show, that you gotta go there. You gotta look at these cars. It is. These are cars that no shortcut can be
0: taken
2: anywhere. And the details details are extravagant. I did a whole video. Maybe I'll post it now if I get reminded on just the etching. Oh, yeah. on one of the low riders uh, uh chrome and metal i mean every detail from every bumper every piece of metal the yep. bezel around the taillights uh the engine compartment the dash inside the interior like i said every bit of the bumper all beautifully etched and it's one of those art forms that's really not appreciate it anymore. No. Nope. And I love it. I love it. I do
0: too. The bolts holding the bumpers on were individually engraved with designs. Yes. It's like and, and the inside like there's when uh our designers talk about what is it David A services and B services. Yeah 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 like parts they so the Classic. parts that the end end user sees they pay attention to and the like door jams and things they don't but with low riders everything is the a surface every single surface door jams underneath bottoms of gas tanks suspension arms are all equally beautiful there's nothing like it i don't think there is a car built to the quality of like a like this kind of low rider i don't think it exists
2: and and the the amount of detail because even on the glass there's etching like i talked about it doing that really intricate designs just beautifully complementary on everything else that's there I mean, I don't think I really appreciated it growing up, just the the, the workmanship and the artist uh, creativity. But now I, I really uh, am amazed by it all because, you know, there's so much low-riding culture here in Southern California yeah. uh, that we've been, you know, blessed to grow up with. And it's, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if it's fully appreciated in the rest of the country. I don't country, think, not the enough. The world. Yeah. They're like
0: cathedrals more than cars in some yeah. way. They feel like a cathedral, and I don't think they get nearly the respect they deserve for for the level of work that these guys do. They're stunning.
2: David and I recorded a little video. Bo, you said you have
0: a whole video also?
2: I, I, I do. And, uh, you know, we've been fortunate to uh, host some of the most important lowriders of all time. We had Gypsy Rose here at our car show uh, a few years ago uh and uh, some of the other um uh, uh, just absolutely famous that just they're just draw jaw dropping when you look at them i mean it's oh, yeah. one thing to look at a work of art and look look at the details but this it's like the details never end i mean you can spend hours just going through the details uh in some of these cars just just amazing yeah
0: it's amazing glad you brought that up david because that is that is one of the best things at the show no question yeah. And it was yeah, kind of hidden at the show. It they was
2: about it. We used to be down in that hall. That's where Galpin started. Was down in Kentia Hall. Oh yeah, the basement. Yeah, I, I like to go down there. And, you know, I call it the basement and, and check out what's there now. And I mad. and the low riders are way in the back. If you just yep. like uh, uh, peruse the front, you wouldn't have got it. But luckily, uh, we kept going and saw just a amazing display. So great stuff. Yeah. And uh when we do our our next car show, uh we we got to have a a good uh, low rider event as well. We we did a Now this is separate cuz the hops different from the you know from the style, but uh having them there, oh, it's always such a joy. So. Yeah,
1: and it's something that is it, this right here LA is the best example of it in the world, if I understand that right.
2: Yeah, I, th- I mean, think this is where it kind of all started. And, you know, we used to go cruising down Van Nuys Boulevard. That was a, that was a thing for years. And I think the late 60s, all the way through late 70s. I mean, I went cruising when I was a kid and uh, I'll never forget those days. And then they outlawed it. And now literally they just, uh, I mean, like a, a couple of months ago, legalized uh, uh, cruising again, which of course nobody does, but I say, We try to bring back cruising on Van Nuys Boulevard. That would be amazing. There's something the Utopians could get behind. That good old-fashioned cruise. Good idea. What exactly did they make illegal? I think driving too slow. Because... You know, back then people started gathering, and then all oh, those damn kids ah, they're just making noise. They're out there drinking, and you know all that kind of BS. Meanwhile, that was actually keeping kids out of trouble for the most part. Uh, yeah. But you know that's that's how it that's how it all works, and then they chase them away, and then wish they didn't.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I'm <laughs> pro cruise. Yeah,
2: yeah doesn't you, guys, does a lot of you that. guys do your cruise every year. That's cool. Oh yeah, yeah, dream cruise. Yeah, we gotta
1: get you know we gotta get you out there one of those years when it's not.
2: Maybe go we got to start doing a, a like make it an event, and maybe we could talk to our our friends and the in the and all the communities out here, the car communities, low lowrider communities. Maybe we could uh, start with one cruising day on Van Nuys Boulevard. Pick a day that in history that oh. would make sense, and try to have a meet up and and start start doing the cruise again. That'd be rad to get that started.
1: Oh, wait, let's go head to head with Woodward Dream Cruise. Let's make it bigger. Let, let's go ten thousand <laughs> plus cars.
2: <laughs> well, we got to start somewhere, like. Maybe like twelve of us could do something. All right, but I love how like if we started a cruise, we'd just be like driving real slow, and everybody's like honking and cursing <laughs> at us. What the hell are you guys doing? Hey, we're cruising here! Leave us alone! Your your hey. Metropolitan would be ideal for that, David. Well, oh, yeah. they could.
1: Well, they can't honk at a Metropolitan. It's it's physically yeah. impossible.
2: Oh, a producer <laughs> says cruising was deemed illegal in '86. So far later than I thought, but they 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 shut it down before that. I know they did because. I was 16 in '86, not to give my age away, but there was no way they were still cruising going on. Cruising this is, is cr- legal again in California after decades. Well, see, I wasn't full of crap. Oh, yeah. What a ridiculous
0: like thing to ban! Like you can't just cruise in your like. What are you? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Go what now. is the problem really, other than a couple of slow cars to go around? Uh, like, I don't get it. I don't get it either.
2: Okay. Also, we gotta, we're gonna work to bring it back now that it's legal again. Yeah. Bring, we didn't like, t- that'd be a good t-shirt. we need a bring back cruising t-shirt or something, you know. To, 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 we, gotta, oh, yeah, we should do that.
0: We, we could also, uh, Bo, that's a good segue because we should plug that we uh, just dramatically expanded the amount of utopian t-shirts available in our merch store. So if anybody yes, we did. is cold right now or doesn't have enough clothes on, we can solve that problem for you. Torch. of our t-shirts.
1: Should yeah? I correct your grammar, Torch, or should we, should we just let it go? Right now, go ahead. Why not? The
0: people love it. <laughs> What'd Go you ahead. What do you say? Amount of t shirts. Oh, have number of t- yes, <laughs> <laughs> t shirts right. are like fine. <laughs> Look, that one doesn't okay. Anyway, um, I yes, appreciate okay. good grammar as much as yeah. that. Usage guy, dictates definitely. grammar, but we'll fight about that later. All yes. right,
1: okay. So, yes, um. Uh yeah, so we we're just talking about lowrider uh, culture and uh Southern California car culture. Uh it is incredibly strong, which is why I'm excited that I'm here and will be
2: here uh you know for a long for the long term. Um and and speaking of Southern California car culture, we have a very uh special guest uh with us today.
1: Oh yeah, Bruce Meyer, uh well, Legend, in the my... legend of the Car Worlds. Legend of the Car Worlds. Yep. Um well, uh, invol- basically, in many ways, considered- he's considered like kind of a like
0: foundational a- member of Southern California car culture. All the ma- these major institutions, you can trace back
3: to him. Well, let's Peter get him S- in
2: here. Then we can talk about this. Yes, and, so let's and, welcome uh, him in.
3: in. Let me fix this thing. Sorry.
2: We're so excited <laughs> to have you. Take your time. It's all good. As long as we can see your handsome face, sir. There he is. All right. <laughs> Well, Bruce, I was uh, just starting to to introduce you. I I couldn't even come close uh, uh, to to listening all the incredible things that that you've been a part of. I was just saying there's no better friend uh, to the car community than Bruce Meyer, especially when it comes to collector cars and classics. Uh, You've been more than instrumental in the Peterson Museum. In fact, I don't think the Peterson Museum would still be open uh, right now if it weren't for Bruce Meyer. Uh, I think you're the, the unofficial mayor of Beverly Hills. Uh, <laughs> you have the, uh, the, the Father's Day Car show every year, which is absolutely fantastic and and so much more. so uh, welcome well, to the show, Bruce, and thank you for being here.
3: Yeah Well, Bo, you know I'm a great fan of what you've done and, and, and I, lo- I love you like a brother and yeah, uh, you thank you for for having me on.
2: Well, it's our, it's our honor and pleasure. It it, kind of funny, but Bruce and I became friends carpooling together Uh, and you'd say, well, why would two car guys, you know, not want to drive? And that's because (laughs) when you're driving from L.A. to Orange County in traffic, uh, having a carpool buddy is the way to go. Uh, So I was honored that uh, Bruce is my carpool buddy and we just got to know each other wonderfully over those years. So thank you, my friend. What an experience being on the board of directors with Celine, right?
3: Yeah, okay, that was an experience.
2: (laughs) we we would uh, uh, you know go from one meeting and come back and by that time it's like wait a minute do we do we just open a retail store and uh, <laughs> <laughs> what well we went from one meeting where we weren't going to open a retail <laughs> store and Bruce and I were like you guys don't know what retail's like it's it's hard because we're both in retail and the next meeting we had a retail retail store open which was kind of par for the course for the board of where the was the Celine retail store I at don't... Irvine oh really remember that Bruce.
3: I'll never forget it,
2: (laughs) but the store was nice.
3: I mean, it was first class. It just, I just, uh, there just wasn't enough demand for what he had. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like he had a, you know, a galping Ford across the street with thousands of people coming and going every day.
0: I remember the Celine president's day sale blowout where they were just every Celine on the lot must go. I remember that was a big deal. Uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> We never had that, never had that. That, no, that,
3: no that might've been more on more than one occasion,
2: you know? <laughs> uh, well, Bruce, there's, you know, we could talk about the cars and car shows and things like that, but there's something that uh, I think is incredible that you accomplished that uh, if you don't mind sharing with us and that is hitting the 200 mile an hour club at Bonneville. Yeah. Uh, would you mind sharing that story with us and that experience a little bit of what it's like?
3: Well, I mean, Bonneville is a, is a very special place. It's kind of hallowed ground. And I grew up as a hot rider. And, and when I was growing up, the dry lakes were kind of, you know, Harper's and Miroc and El Mirage. They were, they were still active and still are in that regard. Uh, but, uh, uh going to Bonneville was very special. So uh, I remember flying over there with Bob Peterson in one of his planes and experiencing Bonneville. I said, I got to come back and try this. So a friend of mine, Jack Rogers, who's just a great guy, a real Bonneville veteran. I I, I I was licensed in his car. He had a 83 Camaro and that was great fun. I, I think I went 224 in that. So that was a Fun ride, but I always wanted to do uh Bonneville in an open car because I think that's, that's like a, a roadster. Those are kind of like you go to the rodeo and you see the barrel racers and and the roping and so forth. But you you go there to 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 see the bull riders. And in my opinion, driving a roadster over two hundred is is you know a ride you'll never forget. And driving on Bonneville, it's not like going down the highway because it's 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 kind of like going on an icy road. So you've got to pay you gotta pay attention, keep it going straight. The back wheels wanna pass you at all times. So if you're not going straight, it's gonna happen. Oof. So it it anyways, it was a fun ride. So we built a roaster, Mike Cook built it. And and I just had the ride of my life there. We went over two hundred, which was my objective. And um anyways, and I I I just think, I think everybody should go to Bonneville. And if you have the opportunity to drive there, it's very special too. So, Bruce,
0: um, I, I've just got some questions, a couple of things, because I've driven on Bonneville a while back. And the thing I remember most, it was it's so hard to tell how fast you're going because there's so little visual references around. So, at two, how did it feel at 200? Did it feel, how did you know how fast you were going other than? it's you know speedometer but
3: well you just go as fast as you can and you (laughs) hope it's over 200 um you know it it is you don't get the sensation of speed like you're going down a narrow street it's pretty vast so you don't you know the only way you know how fast you're going when you're licensed you have to you have to um go i think 125 150 then 175 so they calculate it and you can't go over and you've huh. got to reach a certain level to be licensed, and they don't care if you're, you know, Parnelli Jones or Bruce Meyer. You got you got to go through the licensing process, but so you do it by your tack. You know, if you hit over, you know, five thousand or six thousand, you know, you know, you know, your pit crew guy will tell you what you have to the the markers you have to meet. But um, it's not like going two hundred on a highway, I'm sure.
0: No. Wow. What kind of car was it based on? Like what was, what was, what? Well, the,
3: the 83 was it? Camaro was basically an 83 Camaro, but with a lot of aero, oh. you know, a full roll case. You don't want to have a problem. If You, you don't want to have a problem going over a hundred. <laughs> no. And you certainly don't want to have a problem going 200. No. Um, things happen very fast. You're, you know, you, you go as fast as you can for five miles. And then you got a three mile slowdown. Yeah, And, and so you're pretty far away from a fire truck if you need one. That was my, my, my I guess my biggest fear was fire. You know, um, you know, it's, it, 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 it's a challenge and, and not a lot of guys, you know, join the 200 mile an hour club. And you, know, by the way, you, you have to break a record to be in the 200 mile an hour club. It's not just going 200. Oh, wow. You, so anybody can go 200, um, in a way but you have to break an existing record what record did you break i I broke a record it was a 196 or 197 record and it existed for a lot of years and i went 206 when i broke the record awesome so it was you know if you if i went 197 i would have broken the record you just have to better it not by a margin but just have to better it you know um, so it's great fun and I'm, I'm proud to wear my 200-mile-an-hour club outfit. So I was gonna say,
2: what's the, and I love this too, so tell us the big prize that you get for breaking this record of Bonneville.
3: You get a bigger hat size. <laughs> That's
2: right. uh, I thought you got you know, a $3, $3 I, I, hat I, that says 200 on it, right?
3: So I just, I was just literally came back from lunch with Don Prudhomme. I'm just
1: going to stop for a second and make sure that everybody knows who Don Prudhomme is. If you know of the NHRA or National Hot Rod Association, you might have heard his name. Don Prudhomme, legendary drag racer with many wins under his belt. He's been racing cars for decades. Even into his 80s, he was blasting through Mexico in the Nora Mexican 1000. Even this year, in his 80s, he was blasting through the Mexican desert in the Nora Mexican 1000 off-road race.
3: And we were talking about Bonneville and, and uh, Justin Bell, Derek Bell's son. There were the three oh, yeah, of us. I love Justin. Oh, great guy. And yeah, so, so so, so, um, uh, Justin asked, Don, did you ever try Bonneville? And he said, you know, now nah, there weren't enough. You know, there are no grandstands. <laughs> And, and so it's that kind of a place, you know, you, yep. um, there's nobody at the finish line. It's you're just racing against yourself in the clock. Um, and, and, and it's not like glory or prize money. You just go because for the love of speed and, and, and setting your own markers. But, um, you know, Don, who's been, you know, 300, you know, I yeah. mean, the guy's amazing.
2: So, b- by the way, what did Raylene have to say when you're about to climb in and, uh, and do 200?
3: You know, I dated Raylene on a motorcycle. I raced motorcycles for a lot of years.
2: She knew what she was getting into.
3: <laughs> we went back. We went back. You know, We were in Sturgis together. Yeah. Raylene, if I told her I, I was going to, you know, take my Bonneville car to the moon, she'd say, well, just, you know, we'll see you when you get back. Oh, she, God bless she, her. Yeah, no, she's fifty-two years of marriage, and she puts up with all my shenanigans and and racing and so forth over the years. So she's a good, she's a good one. She's a keeper, you know. Absolutely, absolutely, sweetheart, yeah. too. All good, all good. Um, well, are you it, still?
1: It, are you still racing? Uh, what was the last race you've done? I'm
3: David, by the way. Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> hey, David, nice to meet you. So it's so funny because Prudhomme and I are exactly the same age. In fact, Derek Bell, Don Perdome, and I were all born in 1941, so we're all 81 or 82, depending. You know, you look
2: look great, dude.
3: I I feel good. Good. But so so when I turned 75, I went into what I call preservation mode, because (laughs) what you don't want to do when you're older is fall down. You know, if you if so, I stopped snow skiing. I didn't want to get hit by a snowboarder. Um, I stopped riding motorcycles and I just built a new, you know, kind of sport Harley. I stopped um, racing Bonneville and I hold on to railings when I go downstairs. <laughs> so, you know, so it's so funny because as Bo knows, I'm upstairs and so we had these long flight of stairs downstairs going to lunch and, yeah. and Don says, I'm holding the railing, Bruce, just for you. You know, <laughs> So, it's, it's, uh, and, you know, Don was a valley boy. He grew up, I'm sure, at some point, Galpin and, and uh, Perdon must have crossed somewhere down the road.
2: I, I remember him saying he's been here before, but I remember how the whole story went. But, uh, yeah. yeah, what a legend. Oh.
3: Great guy. Really, one. you know, I say he's mo- way better and more fun now than he was when he was racing. Because when he was racing, he always had his game face on. He was pretty tough. And um, had a temper and an attitude, and because that's the way you win. But after he retired, he just became a real love, and so he comes by, you know, my garage all the time, and and uh, always good to see him.
2: Oh, that's that's wonderful. Yeah, I guess uh, that that does make a difference uh, when you're uh, on the attack versus now uh, mellowed out.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool.
2: Uh, hey, Bruce, I wanted to kind of, uh, you know, I remember you telling me uh, some stories back when, and I'd love to, to revisit that, because um, uh, you had quite a relationship with Mr. Nethercutt, and, you know, I, I think his name today is not as well known as it used to be, and, um, you know, he's got the Nethercut Museum here in the San Fernando Valley, which is a, a complete kind of hidden gem, but also, I mean, you really set the stage for Pebble Beach and what it's become. And, and you've got an incredible involvement in Pebble Beach, obviously. But, but would you mind telling us a little bit about, you know, how did you get to know Mr. Nethercutt? And then how did that relationship uh, evolve?
3: Well, um, J.B. Nethercutt Sr. has been, he, I think he passed away over 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so he we have a a shop here in beverly hills and and he was a customer and i i always kind of heard the name Nethercut and cars thinking that you know that you know there that we had something in common mm-hmm. and so what he would do he would buy stuff from the store and then he he would have somebody come pick it up so whenever anybody would come to pick it up i'd say you know i'd love to see his garage now i'm thinking it's a it's a car garage, you know, like at home or something. <laughs> right. So it it, 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 it I kept asking for a number of years. And then finally, um his Merle Norman's personal assistant, I forget his name, bought some stuff at my shop and I said, I'd love to see come out and see the cars. Oh, no, come to have lunch with uh, with JB. And I said, I'd love to. So I I didn't know where I was going. It was out in Silmar. This was in 1970, so it's been you know, 52 years ago and he had just completed his museum and I had shoulder length hair. You know, I I looked, you know, you would have liked it, Bo, because you, by the way, (laughs) I know Jane told you to, you know, cut your hair and shave your face because you look way better the way you are now. But <laughs> Actually, anyways, mom so was I always
2: heard. cool about the long hair. She was always good about that.
3: <laughs> she loved her bow. I know That's that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and sure. and, and um, so anyways, I went out and I had lunch with J.B. Nethercutt. That was in 1970. We hit it off great. And for 30 years, every Friday, I'd go have lunch with J.B. Nethercut, Phil oh. Hill, a fellow named Tom Powell's, uh, Tony Heinsberg and the design of the building and JB. And so um, I was by far the youngest in the lunch group. So he said, Bruce, I want you to be on my board and I want you to kind of you know, stay involved with the collection. And so we became very close friends. We went to her, back to Hershey, Pennsylvania over the years and, and he'd buy cars and I'd help him buy cars. And so I was kind of like his third son, so to speak. We were very, very close. So when he passed away, he endowed that collection and his son Jack and his wife Helen are, are maintaining it now. And, and a little differently than JB did. I mean, I don't think there's so much into the early brass cars, but they're Helen kind of likes custom cars and hot rods. So, you know, she dialed it up a little bit and I think they bought some newer cars, but it's in Silmar, it's called the Nethercut Collection. It is open to the public at least five days a week, free of charge. They have tours. They have the world's largest collection of orchestrions, which are mechanically operated musical instruments. Like big pipe organs. Which organ
2: is organ mind Yes. But yeah. I- an entire room, and, and I think right. one of the biggest pipe organs I've ever seen, one of the biggest in the world, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah.
3: yeah. It's, it's called the Mighty Wurlitzer. It came from a. A church, or a, you know, it's kind of like you find an, and you know, I mean, it's magnificent. It, I, I I should know how many pipes, but it's the biggest. I think maybe one of the largest in the world. And and uh, J B always liked to do the impossible. So back when he bought that organ back in the seventies, he computerized it. Oh wow! And he yeah, which which everybody said, oh, it's impossible because you got all these toggle switches and pedals and you know, train whistles and all these things that are, it's, there's so many variations. Wow. And so he hired a, a programmer and he had a, a computer room. There was a, a room with real the real, you know, and he, and he invited all the famous organists in to play and he recorded them. So it, it's the world's largest player organ, for lack of a better word. Wow, and, and he does concerts from time to time. He has one coming up in December, but it 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 is worth seeing. And he's got he's got I don't know the names of a lot of these orchestras, but they're you know the size of a room, and they've got accordions and horns and drums and violins and all mechanically uh, uh, you know mechanically done. I mean, no, there's they're compressed air, and it's it is just awesome.
2: And it's sure. fascinating. I think for car guys, it, it fits right into what it we doing. Like it, 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 that, that just beauty of engineering. But I've had the fortune of hearing these uh, uh, that orchestra, and it is unbelievable. Like literally unbelievable, unless you hear it. You can't explain it. You just try to do it with all those instruments, and, and it, it is, it'll literally blow your mind. And yeah. this museum in Silmar, which, like, Silmar is not necessarily, you know, known throughout the world as, the, you know, but it is um, it's the hidden gem of the valley. It yeah, is I think it's one of the most
0: underrated car museums around, really, because it is a beautiful museum, and the collection's amazing.
2: And in the car community, think- these are some of the most famous cars of the world. The Duesenberg 20 Grand, I mean, and, and some of the... Well, and, and 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 Bruce, would you enlighten us a little bit on Pebble it Beach? Pierce Arrow collection. Oh, Pierce, but Nethercutt really set Arrow the collection. standards for Pebble Beach and created what the what what car shows are today uh, for for all uh, intents. Yeah, right?
3: even to this day, he has won more Best of Shows than any other person ever in the history of Pebble Beach. Wow. He and and Bill Hara also out of Reno, Nevada. You know, uh, they're both vied for many of the same cars. Bill Harris had a collection of fifteen, thirteen, fourteen, or fifteen hundred cars. Nethercutts was probably more in the five, six, seven hundred range, but Nethercutt always liked custom bodied classic cars. So, you know, his cars are really extraordinary. He has I, I don't I think without a doubt the most important Duesenberg in the world, the 20 grand, it just won best of show in Las Vegas at the win. It won Best of Show at Pebble Beach. It's it's the most famous Duesenberg in the world. But he's probably got maybe two or three or four maybe Duesenbergs, a Bugatti. Um, he's got a, a marvelous collection of cars. Amazing.
2: And, and yeah, just showstoppers. I mean, you, you go into that main hall where he's got the, the big boy cars, and it's uh, – it's worth seeing and it's free of charge and, uh, you know, and check it out. It's it,
3: next, next next to the Bachman Museum over on Roscoe and the freeway. <laughs> I'd say it's right there in the world-class area.
2: <laughs> well, 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 speaking of museums, another museum uh, that you're very involved with is, is the Peterson. And, of course, you just mentioned Bob Peterson and going back then. My parents knew the Petersons uh, back in the day as well, which they're you know, fortunate to do. Uh, so, uh, so how did, now, were you there when, when, when Bob decided to start the museum? How did that all start?
3: So Bob started hot rod magazine yep. and motor trend and. Yeah, just two like, little
2: things I, I failed to mention, you know, about why Bob Peterson's so important. So yeah, sorry for yeah. assuming everyone knows who Bob Peterson was. Mm. <laughs> You're
3: right. Well, you know what? What's interesting <laughs> is there is no more Peterson publishing. Yeah. Most people most people have no idea who Bob Peterson was. So um, the museum is his lasting legacy, and 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 Bob Peterson collected uh, our wildlife art he was really more a guns and ammo guy he had yachts he just he did skin diving and scuba diving that kind of thing so what happened was he also i say he was an opportunistic buyer he would buy guns and anything that that was a, a, a desperation sale so to speak of mm-hmm. we were both on the board of of the natural history museum together and we were walking out one day And he showed me this this case of gold nuggets. And he said, Bruce, that's the world's largest gold nugget. It was a big thing, you know. And I said, God, Bob, how do you know about those? He said, that's my nugget collection. I said, how did you get a (laughs) nugget collection? He said, said, this guy had spent his whole life searching and buying gold nuggets, and he needed money, and I was right there. So that kind of segues (laughs) into that building because where the Peterson is, where it is now, it was built as a Japanese department store.
2: It was oh. Seibu,
3: And then it was a discount women's department store called Orbox. And, and um, it, then it became vacant for years. So somebody presented it to Bob as an opportunistic buy to buy the entire city block. And it wasn't a lot of money back then, but nobody wanted it. So Peterson, you know, bought it. And 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 thought well, this would be a fun car museum. So I he we were neighbors. We were in a group called YPO. You know YPO. Oh, yeah, right? Yes, I do. And, Thanks for and, getting so, me in
2: YPO, by the way.
3: What's, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, that, what, you
2: know, no, what is, you what is that? Joining. What's oh, it stand for? Young Presidents Organization. So
3: oh, yeah. right? it's a great it's a great group. it's, it's been meaningful to both Bo and myself. But so Bob Peterson was a YPO member with me and we'd go to the meetings together. we sit next to each other and he bought this building and and he thought it would be a fun car museum and he knew my love of cars. So I was in there pretty much from the ground up. And then, you know, he didn't want to put his money into it. I didn't have enough to do it. So we decided that it should be done in, in kind of partnership with the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles. Huh. So they were really the first kind of like operators
2: of it. And that's and how that my mom a- got involved because she was on the board of the Natural History Museum when the Peterson was starting.
3: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. It was, it, it had to be one of the most perfect mismatches in history. The pe- <laughs> right? natural History. Because they, you know, they, they 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 don't have any you know the cars had no interest to in them. So I think the director of the Natural History Museum in in, in the first ten years, I don't think he was there once a year. Yeah. I don't think at all. <laughs> so it, it was not a good match, and so they decided to get a divorce, and and um, they they were going to sell the museum because the property had appreciated substantially, and and so I was kind of the ombudsman and convincing Bob he ought to buy it, and you know, and trying to get the natural history museum to except Bob's offer and so we were able to do that and then we became our own our own you know uh entity which we are now and then about 10 years ago we well be, when we built it when we built it originally it, it the designers of the of the natural history museum were very involved so a lot of what we did were dioramas mm-hmm. where, you know like where they'd have a dinosaur in the wilderness they would have an old car stuck in the mud or something or a, it's just or a gas station stuff that couldn't be changed. So for the first ten years, our, we we had a couple of rotating galleries, but it wasn't it wasn't anything that like it is now, where, where we change every month was something yep. huge. And so um uh, uh, we redid it ten years ago. We brought in a great gentleman by the name of Terry Cargus. Love Our executive her. director, great guy, Best. and then Michael Bodell is his uh deputy, and and we have superb management. We just closed. A, I see the Aston Martin in the background because we just closed the uh, the uh, Bond exhibit.
2: That was so cool. Loved it.
3: And now we have it we have a Elon Musk Tesla exhibit. We
2: went there. Uh, Jason, I went to
3: the to the Tesla yeah. exhibit. That's right. And apparently,
1: yeah. it took months and tesla was involved in putting it together and there were some tesla engineers there who were telling us what they did and that you know, was cool
3: yeah it's we it, our gate i mean we're getting thousands through there every day now awesome. it's just it's just uh huge it, it's going to be a very big deal for us well not we remodel week, oh it's only gosh. been it's only been a week
2: yeah yeah that's gonna be a huge event but yeah. boy i gotta say the peter said Exterior of it is a work of art in and of itself. Now I remember uh, when they
0: changed it over uh, and how oh. it's controversial, but it's great. I think it's aged really well, honestly. You
3: know Wait, what? Tor- it was it was very controversial. David Sidoric, who uh, and I were co uh, co vice chairman, and and so he really kind of spearheaded the design. We 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 went to Frank Gehry, we went to Chris Bangle, we went to you know different uh, different designers that were standout designers so chris bangle uh,
1: of bmw at the time
3: yes oh yeah well well,
1: the the rear end of that uh, building would have been very interesting looking i think (laughs) yeah (laughs) the exit there
3: (laughs) yeah so so he he um uh we we've we we, we, we've settled on an architect by the name of gene cohen and he's has a huge architectural firm called cohen petterson and fox they have buildings around the world, but nothing in Los Angeles. So he, he offered to do it for us. Uh, he did all the design, you know, uh, you know, with no commitment from us. And, and we looked at Frank Gehry. Frank Gehry said he'd be happy to do it. It was a million dollars just to get Frank Gehry engaged. And then we figured by the time he came up with the design, we couldn't afford it, so we didn't want to go there. <laughs> so we went with Cone, Peterson and Fox. The design, when it was first out, you know, several of the of the uh, um, the um, design critics and magazines they didn't like it. We loved it because we wanted to have a, 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 a facade that people would remember. Yeah, and. Um, and it that it is. And now we've won architectural awards. Everybody loves it. And like you say, it has, it has, you know, held up. Well, it, it's, it's a unique look. Yeah. U- unique to that building. Nothing like it in the world.
0: I should confess something about the Peterson museum, uh, because I, I actually broke into the vault around 2002 or somewhere like that. I was, uh, I had an old Volvo P 1800 at the time, had a little tiny key, and I was there on an early date with uh, the girl who's a woman who's now my wife. And we were, the museum was closing, we'd been there all day, and we were in the elevator. And just by chance, I noticed there was the B section before you could get into the vault. And instead of a button, it had a key. And I took the trunk key from my (laughs) P 1800, and I just on a whim tried it, and it turned. And we got to go to the vault when it was dark, and we walked all around there. And there was a security <laughs> guard at the other side, and we just kept him at the other side. And we saw <laughs> so many amazing things. I remember uh Raymond Loewy's, uh the little ramo car that he had there.
3: Yep, yep, yep. So
0: much good stuff, and you know, that was like that was that date was a big deal for us because that was like one of our first ones. So I owe the Peterson, I guess, both an apology <laughs> and a thank
3: you. Because I we definitely broke in, but we didn't take. Well, you it- know- <laughs> That's one of the big attractions we have now. We charge extra to go to the vault, yeah. And everybody kind of wants to go where they, you know, where isn't you know like on the regular part of the museum. Right. So right. about twenty five percent of our people, you know, do the upcharge and go to the vault. And we and have, it's worth it. Yeah. It is. And Mag- Magnus Walker just opened an exhibit down there, and it is worth it. It's three hundred amazing cars. It's the best yeah. car show in LA.
2: Uh, really, we, we had Magnus on our podcast just to brag a little oh, yeah. bit uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, uh, we, we love Magnus. I love his Porsches, and uh, I got to get down there to see uh, that as well. Bruce, well, um, you know,
3: I'm, I know how important that brand is to, to you, Bo. Um, but Porsche is kind of getting it in a way that they now, the PCA has a, has a, has a, um, a category called Unstock. Which is basically portions that have been altered or customized, and for so many years, you know, a Porsche was something you couldn't change. You know, it right. was it was sacrilegious, and and now it's really hip to have. You know, you got Singer and Gunther Works and Roof and all these people. You know, taking Porsches to the next level, and Porsche encourages it and embraces it. So now they've got an unstocked category, That's and. So cool. um, yeah, I like it. It works for me. I'm a hot rodder. I've got a couple, you know, kind of hot rod Porsches that are, um, you know, not stock. Yeah,
2: well, it's a quick story that, that to David because to that point when we were first taking on Porsche, I had our RWB in the back and I thought for sure they were going to give me so much trouble for that. And I showed it, and they were like, "This is amazing! We love this!" And I was like, "Oh my gosh, really?" I I, I thought like I thought it was sacrilege, and you're right. To their credit, they couldn't be couldn't have been more uh, open to it. I just love the idea of, you know, doing your own thing with your Porsche. So it's fantastic. So anyway, sorry about that, David. Go ahead.
1: No, it's all good, Bruce. I'd like to ask a little, a couple more simple, sort of foundational questions for some of our uh, some of our listeners who maybe don't know you as well. Um, obviously, you're a prolific car collector, uh, uh, um, you know, prolific car person, kind of, the, kind of, uh, especially in Southern California, the ultimate car guy, they say. Um, and um, y- you've been passionate about cars, it seems, for over half a century, which is a long time to have the same passion. I think a lot of people, you know, tend to go through phases when they have an interest. Um, and I wonder, are there phases to your car passion? Did it start as... Is, is it every couple of years? Oh, I'm into this, I'm into this. Uh, and how has that progressed from the beginning?
3: Well, you know, that's, that's an interesting question. Cause um, there was a gentleman by the name of Otis Chandler, who was a good friend of mine. And he, he had without a doubt the finest Porsche collection in the world. Then he decided to sell them and go into muscle cars. So then he bought muscle cars and yeah. then he, from there went into motorcycles. So, you know, um That's sometimes it's you know, I mean,
1: weird to see that, right? When someone it's almost their identity and then they yeah it's flipped to a different thing. That's that's kinda kinda wild.
3: Well and, and that's a really good question. It's a question that I've never been asked before, but basically I, I I consider myself an enthusiast, not a collector, because if I were a collector, I would have maybe just Porsches or just early Porsches or whatever. I, I my you know, grouping of cars, I hate to say collection, is really, They, I bought them one at a time over 50 years. Wow. Um, and, I, you know, I've, I, I have a Ferrari uh, 275 GTB4. I bought it in 1970. And I have a, a Porsche RSR, the Brumos Peter Gray car that I bought this year. So I want each year, I've kind of stretched and bought a car. It, it's kind of worked out that way but it's it's really been fifty years of one car at a time and 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 I would say the only common thread my cars have are me. It was just whatever uh, uh, i you know at the period awesome. you know so i have I have ten thirty two Fords more than anybody should have but i, <laughs> I I'm making up for an unhappy childhood so, <laughs> so you know it's I just love, I just love thirty two fords and and um so I love hot rods because that was kind of my beginnings. I, I have, you know, Don Perdomo's, uh famous Greer Black Perdomo dragster. And, and I've got, um, you know, uh, um, an old Duesenberg and an old Bentley and a Bugatti. But mostly, I'd say most of my cars are competition cars because I, I I think I like the story. You know, um, just having another you know, F40 or, you know, know, expensive car isn't where I am. I just like a car that's done something unusual or is one of a kind or something like that. So I've been pretty true to what I like and and it's been pretty all over the board. So is, so the story behind
1: a car, uh, I, I agree that, you know, in many ways, that is what makes car culture in general interesting is the stories and the people. Um, I assume that was a big factor in in the fact that you still love cars after, you know, after, you know, five decades. Of, you're still interested in it. And I, I, I assume that's because an interesting story is an interesting story. Right. And, the, and there's just
3: no end to that. Yep. I, I, it, you're absolutely right. This last weekend, I was in Ventura Turkey Night, the and the midget races. I just love it all. I was at the drags, you know, in a couple of weeks ago. Um, I just love, you know, competition and cars. And I always have. um, My family used to get a little annoyed with it. My my parents hated cars because we didn't have any money and their parents couldn't afford cars. And to them, there was no bigger waste of resources or a person's time than to work or think about cars but to me it's just in my dna i've I've loved cars since the day i was born
1: wow you you ever meet a a car person in a place you wouldn't have expected because every now every now and then i'll I'll be traveling somewhere and you'll find car people in it seems like they're everywhere even if they don't own cars it's it's an incredible thing
3: do you know what absolutely that's a really good good thought because because my 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 own family i have three children and a bunch of grandkids early on you know I, I you know i might not have gone to a soccer game i went to a car show or something my my family kind of gave me a little little attitude you know because i was so car centric but now they love it because some of the best friends they have and i have are through the car hobby sure and i remember uh, i ship i have a little 57 Porsche that I've had for over 30 years. And I shipped it to Chicago and I drove out old route 66. And I'll never forget. I was in Winslow, Arizona. Okay. And, and we parked our cars at the local, whatever motel. I'm walking around town. I always like look at, I'm always looking in garages and I could <laughs> see down this alley. It looked like the light was on and they were working on a car. So I walked down the alley, and these friends of mine are with me. Where are you going? I said, just come on. Let's go. It looks like a fun garage. Well, this guy <laughs> was building a, a, a rat rod for Michael Hammer, you know, the, the hammer Oh, guy. really? <laughs> yeah. And by the way, Michael just passed away. I just street.
2: saw that. I'm uh, so sorry to see that. But I was,
3: yeah. was just, you know, I love meeting car people. It's the most, it, it, you have instantly... It, 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 it eclipses politics, yep, yep. you know, everything, you know, you don't, you just don't go there. You just, if they love hot rods or cars or whatever, it just, it just makes for a fun conversation and a lot of passion. Isn't so that the, wild?
1: If, if there's a dark garage, it doesn't matter how sketchy <laughs> it is. As soon as, if there's a, someone working on a hot rod, I too, I would feel totally comfortable just going in and talking oh, yeah. to them. It could be the sketchiest. If someone's working on a hot
3: rod, we're going to get along and it's fine. It's you know, it, absolutely, and you and you would feel safe and comfortable because you know yeah. the guy would welcome you because car people love car people. That's right. Yeah, you know, it's, I, I think it, that's it, what
2: this website's all about here. It's all uh, we're Utopians doing is about <laughs> the the people that love cars and, and our commonality together. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yes, that's a, so, so, Bruce. Thank you for echoing the utopian mantra here.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, no, but that's a really good point because. Because, you know, Bo, you belong to our checkered flag group. And yep. some of our events are just in a room. And if you're in a room with car people, there's always plenty to talk about and plenty to celebrate. You don't have to have a Ferrari GTO or, a, you no. know, an old, you know, something expensive. They're just car people, whether you're on an airplane or, or standing in line for a hot chicken sandwich. You know, if, hey, if, if there's a car person, you we all get along.
0: That's right. Absolutely true. No question.
3: Yeah, and It what,
0: does transcend almost everything else. If there's an interesting car involved, it really doesn't matter who the hell the people are. It just works. And it transcends generations, too. I mean, yeah. that was one kind of hopeful thing I got out of the car
1: show, the LA Auto Show, was, I, Bo, I must admit, I may have let some kids sit in some microcars. I think I, you should always good, let the okay. kids sit in a car. We, yeah, a car I show, think we all did.
2: Always let the kids in a car. Okay, good, good, good. 100%, yeah. right, Bruce? Good, good.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Kids always get in. They yeah. loved sitting. Uh, they loved those micro cars. I great. mean, they, they their faces would light up
0: and their their parents would take pictures. It was just great. It was like. The
3: percentage man, like, of
0: L.A. kids who have sat in a Biscooter has now like skyrocketed <laughs> right since this thing.
3: Have you been to the Lane Museum in Nashville?
0: Oh, absolutely. I love the Lane Museum. Jeff is a good friend. Uh, I've, they've let me drive all kinds of crazy cars. there. It is one of my favorite auto museums in America. It's fantastic. Yeah.
3: You know, the, what a surprise that was. I, I, I threw uh, a, a group called the 1199 Bo knows that I, I've been on a trip to Nashville. I'd never been. And so I didn't, I was just going cause I love country music. And, <laughs> and so while we're there, somebody said, well, you know, there's a car museum here. And I go, yeah, I mean, let's go. I mean, any car museum is better than that shopping mall. And so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I walk in and there's Jeff Lane. Well, I'd known him, I think from Hershey or somewhere and he fired up stuff and took us through personally. And yeah, oh, that's it's such an entertaining place. And he's a good man. He's
0: fantastic. And the idea that Nashville somehow has the largest collection of Tatras, Czechoslovakian <laughs> Tatras of anywhere in America <laughs> is just astounding. And they're so, and they keep them up so well. He's let me drive things in there that are like one of a kind, ridiculous thing, the propeller car, you know, the helicron he's let me drive. He's let me take some of their amphibious cars out in the water. Like he is, he gets it in the sense that these are things meant to be used and driven and the work they do to keep
3: all those things going. I love them. Nothing but respect for those guys. I, I'm with you a hundred percent. He's just a re, he's a real enthusiast. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, man.
0: So, uh, okay. I've got a weird question. Um, What's the worst car you've ever bought? Like something that was just a heap. Like, is, Can you think of anything that was just disappointment from the get-go? Huh.
3: <laughs> well, I know. I, I, I learned a lesson. It's so funny because I go over Coldwater Canyon a lot in, in L.A. And I remember I, 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 there was there's a hot rod shop in Hollywood called Sparks and Bonnie, Tommy Sparks. And somebody came by there one day and said, you know, there's a fellow who's a member of a rock and roll band. And he's got some old car and he wants to sell it. And I don't know what it is. And so he said, you know, he came to me, would I be interested? And I said, well, I'll go have a look. And, and I learned you never buy a car at night and you never buy a car, <laughs> never buy a car in the rain. <laughs> mm-hmm. I so say. I go back and here's this sparkling... 1933 Pierce era close coupled sedan. I'm going, whoa, this thing is gorgeous. So I buy it right on the spot. <laughs> I came back the next day. Oh my God. After the <laughs> rain and dry, it was just a mess. So I took it to Tom. I mean, the every it was it was just a lesson learned. You know, just uh, you know
0: that's sage advice. I feel like that that's 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 a good takeaway from the story. Don't buy a car at night don't buy it in the rain or both important. yeah
3: yeah because the, the rain will make everything look pretty but as far as a car a <laughs> car that i was unhappy with um i can't think of any oh Um i that, will say
1: that i read that one of your mantras is only cry once so in other words like <laughs> buy the nicest version of a car that you
3: like is that
2: well, uh, Bruce, I'll share because well, well, I'll, I'll let I'll let you say it because this is what you told me not too long ago.
3: Yeah, I, I and, and and you know what? You bought the Hirohata, probably is what I said. Yeah. You know, but but my feeling is I, I've, I've, I've made mistakes. i you know, I maybe tried to get things done when I didn't have a lot of money to do it right. I've uh, I've just learned you just got it. you got to buy the best? and cry only once. <laughs> and 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 that goes for the for the restoration shop. I mean, I bought cars from Galpin. You know, if you buy you know from a dealer that stands behind their product, you just pay up. Not that you're overpriced at all, but just it's just it's just buy the best and you'll always be ahead and the best example. So that's that's kind of my mantra.
2: That's nice. well, That's, and if uh, you buy the best, you really should only cry once. But yeah, it, it can hurt you know, the first time. And you <laughs> know, um
3: so Bo, I mean, I don't I I mean you paid the, the world's highest price for a custom car. But you bought the holy grail. And yeah. if somebody says you paid too much, well you can say, Maybe I did, but why don't you go buy one? You tell me, <laughs> you know. Right. There's yeah. only one Hero Hot of Merck, you know, and and so I, I've I've bought a couple cars that you know that I really had to reach for, and and it's it's always served me well. Buying that one car.
2: Well, and this is and you've got the best, so it's true.
3: David and I okay. tend
0: to do a lot of just constant crying. I think <laughs> I do. <right>?
1: I, buy, <laughs> I buy. They're the, the opposite
2: mantra.
0: <laughs> I buy the yeah. very worst
1: example, and the re- there's a reason for it. Like an example is, I bought a 1957 Willys FC 170. A forward Control Jeep. I always wanted one, but I didn't want to spend a lot of money on it. So I figured if I just buy the worst one, (laughs) fix it up, I'll get 80% of the driving experience as if it were
0: nice. I'm not sure that proved to be true, though. (laughs) No, (laughs) You literally had a fuel tank above the roof with a line running down to keep this thing going, which is... No, but you, you got the feeling of it was the same engine and the steering was the same and it was
1: like... At 10 I mean it's not uh, to be honest it hasn't served me well it caused more,
2: <laughs> it, it more problems
1: but you know
2: but you've gained a lot of experience and wisdom uh, going True. exactly it. exactly yeah. well, that, that's how I paid for it
3: well in in real estate you want to buy location you could buy the you can buy the worst house in the block but you want to make sure it's a good block
2: yep mm.
0: <laughs> some of so David's somehow... cards I think you kind of buy by location because they're they're not moving.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that true. is
0: messed up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. David always makes the move somehow. Uh well Bruce Bruce, do you have any perpetually
1: um not running or not moving cars that are just kind of tricky
2: to they're all dialed in?
3: Well, yeah. I drive Bruce every- drives his
2: cars, God bless him. Yeah. It's like I, Jay I Leto. Just, right?
3: <laughs> I do. I I drive them all. I mean, a couple like the dragster and the belly tank and the Pearson Brothers coupe. Some of those cars are not for your everyday drive. But I mean, (laughs) I you know, I went to a Outriders picnic. You know, it's 50 miles from here, and I took a chop 32. I I just love the drive, and and I my my daily driver is a very low profile car. I just I like you know very low profile driving. But when you're in an old... I just love driving. So, (laughs) Torch and I...
1: I think... Torch, I think we should give Bruce some scenarios of uh, events or things that uh, Bruce might be going to, and then, Bruce, you can tell us which car you would choose for that event. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay, so, like, um, let's see, like, uh, like, um, a graduation for, like, a, a family member. Like, is there a particular... Or, actually, a wedding. A wedding would be the easiest one.
3: Well... I, you know, I, it depends if I'm driving. I, I drove uh, Graham Rahal, Bobby Rahal's son, away in, in my car, and, and so if I'm if I'm involved in the wedding, um, the easy car right now is a 1929 Bentley. It's a big four door convertible, and oh, it's a great good. wedding car. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm just going to go drive myself, anything that'll get me there, including <laughs> Uber. <laughs> okay.
0: All right, Torch, come up with a scenario. All right, uh, so you've uh, you have to go, you have to deliver. Some A friend of yours has given you a paper bag, and he told you, do not look inside it, and you have to <laughs> deliver it in Florida, but the drive includes the tail of the dragon. So, it's about ba- the bag <laughs> you are not allowed yeah. to open, and the drive involves tail of the dragon. What car are you going to take?
3: Well, I, I I think I would take a Porsche. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I like the way those drive. My, my dailies a suburban that I've had for 25 years, and it's slammed. That wouldn't be a fun ride, necessarily. Wait, wait.
1: What is a Suburban? You have like a it's, '90s era. It's a '96. Oh, okay. No, those are those are nice. The squared off. Oh ones, my god, great.
3: it's so good looking. It's it's I've, it has you know it's shaved. It's on the ground. Nice. <laughs> um, you know, custom grill. I I Pete Chiporus from SoCal Pete, Speed Shop did it for me. I bought it in '95. And it and it still looks as good today. Boy, is the custom
0: grill the kind where it's like really fine uh, slats, like really yeah. I like that look. I've seen well, them that, similar and they look.
3: And then it has a bow tie in the middle. Lights and, behind the grill? You have like indicators and stuff behind no it. no, it, it's the standard lights, but the grill is a little fine slats, yeah. And then, a, then it has a, a center line with a with a with a bow tie.
0: I, that's a handsome i've seen similar things that's a handsome look for that car i like
3: yeah that. i i love it. it and it's it's down in front the boyd connington made me these wheels that are kind of like sprint car wheels They don't look like you know f- like fans or and they're really very traditional so I, I i that's the car i like driving around town um nice gmt you know,
0: 400 those are great are you keeping the bag in the trunk or in the seat next to you? That's the other part of the question.
3: <laughs> that would have to be in the way back. My son, my <laughs> son, when, my son his favorite car is a GMC Typhoon. Oh you know, yeah. And he has he uh, my my suburban's white and his is white and the two of us you know he's so he just says dad I'm getting to be more like you every day. He, he's very worried about that.
2: Oh 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 he shouldn't be worried about that though. Uh.
3: I
0: think that's just something. My son, I think, is uh, he's g- concerned as well. So it's a healthy concern for his
3: son, I think. Yeah.
2: Did Gail Banks work on the Cyclone?
3: So Gail Banks uh, it, it's, Gale Banks may have. It was the Cyclone and the Typhoon. Mm. The Cyclone yeah. was the pickup, and then the Typhoon was the little mini Blazer.
0: Right. right.
3: I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't have a hand in that, because that was one of the early turbocharged cars, early yeah. 90s.
0: I bet he awesome. did, actually, but you're right.
3: I would think he would.
1: Bruce, uh, do you have any um, fuel-efficient cars in your collection? Oh, excuse me, in your uh, group of automobiles? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, um, what does a Tesla count? Uh, that does sure. count. Sure, that does yeah, count, that counts. Yeah. I don't tell a lot of people, but you're not going to tell anybody anyway. Nobody listens is. to this. You're, you're totally safe. <laughs>
2: exactly. no to also, a dozen listeners <laughs> are now in. Yeah.
3: So I just, you know, I I, I I I hate the fact that I love it so much. One of those things.
2: <laughs> yep. It's a it.
3: model. It's a model three with the performance upgrades. And I guess that's my contribution to green somewhere around there. <laughs>
2: there you, you know. go um
3: because i everything else i have is pretty not very efficient yeah
1: um, it's hard it, it's hard with older cars that's i mean yeah. i had to, i had to resort to a nash metropolitan to get any fuel economy out of an old car <laughs> <laughs> and i'm well, making some sacrifices there
3: it it um it, it it the old cars just got terrible mileage yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean even, even the new cars even like the big mercedes you know on the highway, you can get twenty miles to a gallon in those. In the old days, you'd be lucky to get 10.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it just didn't matter back then. But keeping an old car on the road, there's a green angle to that too. You're not contributing to the process of making a new car and shipping it and all that. So you can you could say you're also green that way. Keeping these things going. That's not so bad. No, I agree. I'll go on with that yeah there you go go back so so
2: Bruce says we're winding up here I I, 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 got a question for you thank you by the way this has just been a fascinating conversation it's always fun to talk to you and I think uh our 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 readers and viewers will see now why you're you know Mr. Car Guy and everyone loves Bruce is is what I is what I always (laughs) say if you know if you know to know Bruce is to love him but where (laughs) do you think the the car hobby is is going in the future do you you kind of got some some thoughts or ideas there
3: you know it's interesting because i was saying to derek um you know should i be concerned because i I, first of all i've never bought my cars i thought they were great investments right um they've turned some of them have turned out to be okay you know but um i've never bought for that reason i bought because i wanted to drive it or or the history and so forth but um Derek was saying, well, my son, who's 47, also likes cars and fast cars and race cars. Um, you know, Tom, that works with me, is pretty close to 60. Um, and so I think for my lifetime, cars are going to be just fine. But, um, you know, I look at the very young young people that are coming around now, like the real young people, um, you know, they may just like different stuff than what i have in my garage um you know maybe electric cars will be what's happening but you know it it i don't i I think long term if you stick with a ford or or a porsche you're going to be okay
2: (laughs) well i would agree with that too and i just (laughs) think that's convenient (laughs) yeah i think car culture is is safer than we think it is because i i talked to some kids uh, my my daughter's boyfriends are both, you know, car nuts and car crazy. So there still a, is a love out there. And uh, they still love the cars that that we uh, that we love too. So I think there's there's hope for us all uh, in, in this car culture. And uh, Bruce, I just want to say thank you so much uh, uh, for joining us and being with us. Any, any anything else you'd like to say before we uh, part ways here today? And, yeah, thanks. Well,
3: thank, thanks for remembering your elders. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's always a pleasure, Beau. I, You know, anything you're involved with, I'm in 100%. So it's a, it's a treat being with you three today. And uh, hopefully our paths will meet on the road or at the Peterson or in my garage or wherever fun car things happen. Absolutely, we'll,
2: we'll definitely see you at the next uh, car event. And you know it's a good car event if Bruce Meyers there. Then you know it's cool. <laughs> that's uh, that's for sure. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, uh, uh, Bruce. And uh, appreciate your time so much, my friend. And it's always fascinating to speak with you. So. Uh, oh, thanks. Uh, thanks I
3: love you, Bo. Yeah, wow. love you. Thanks too. so much thanks for goodness. coming out. We really appreciate it. It's an it. honor. Okay. Hope yeah. to see you both all soon.
2: All right. We'll Have see fun. you soon, pal. Thank Bye. you.
3: Bye. Bye. All right. All right, that Bruce was super Meyer. cool. I wow, yeah.
2: I hope I look
0: remotely that good when I'm when I'm that age too. I can't believe uh,
2: every time he gives his age, I can't believe it. Because good luck, he, Torch. Looks, he looks <laughs> twenty or thirty years younger. He looks about my age. Uh, to it's be amazing. honest. Uh, thir- thirty years. Uh, what a great guy. Yeah. That's fascinating. All right. What a what a show. Uh, yeah. yeah. Think, Bruce, you know, To love David. cars,
1: to love cars for that duration, and still love them and drive them every day. Uh,
2: and Bruce is at everything. He is non-stop, and uh, that's what I love about him. Just just, just when you think, how can he do more, he's at he's at everything. And, by the way, we've got another very exciting guest on our next podcast. I mean, we just keep getting, you know, these great guests. We're, we're scoring, <laughs> I don't know. We're how are we doing this? But Maybe. we're getting someone, Jason, you're going to be very excited Do we have dirt on about. these folks?
0: Who's coming? Can we? Do we want to say it now, or are we going to keep it a secret?
2: Well, as long as he shows up, it's Mister Curtis Brubaker.
0: Oh, oh, I'm excited! Oh, I'm so excited! There's a Kurt, there's a Brubaker box poster right over there. Uh this is which he gonna gave be great. us. Which yeah. he gave us. Yeah, this is yeah, going to be ac- great.
1: And actually, I was there when that uh, Brubaker box poster showed up
0: in oh, a yeah. box,
1: and I told you, Jason, you should keep the box because that is the brew baker box brew, yeah oh that's be. true i think
0: it was we've been a tube david
1: it, but it's close enough it can <laughs> i don't think baker, a tube right? counts
0: i don't think a tube counts well, I I okay all right box. no that's fair all right
1: anyway no um yeah that was uh that was a great um podcast but uh next week is going to be
0: also great so please listen to the
1: Otoki so what podcast do we ask to do
2: now they subscribe they hit a button what do they do they, they, they subscribe
0: they send us a self-addressed stamped envelope and we send them a, uh, a pass to hear the podcast. If I understand, is that correct, David?
1: Um, I think it is a pass. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's we'll a key a, actually. It's actually a punch a key.
0: card. There's a punch card and a key. Oh, Wednesday mornings every is when we, we launch the new podcast. So every Wednesday morning. Jason, don't, don't seem so surprised. Like, we know when these things go. Oh, right. I knew that. I'm over there in front of my local podcast shop Wednesday morning when they open up the big gate. Ready to get my fresh podcast.
1: Good, <laughs> right. Good save, Torch. Good save. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, everyone. Have fun.